Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about all things feminine energy and how to manifest your dreams with ease and flow instead of hustle and burnout. And I have with me Natalia Cantor, who is the CEO of the Powerful Women's Club. How good does that sound? (laughs) So leaning into feminine energy is something that I have been working on, like really working on for the last little while. Because, you know, I've grown up in the corporate world and been fully in my masculine. I know how to work really well in that, but it also led me to burnout. So welcome, Natalia. And I'm excited for you to share with me and with our listeners all about feminine energy. And let's start with, first of all, what is the Powerful Women's Club? Jennifer, thank you for having me. (laughs) And what is the Powerful Women's Club? Powerful Women's Club is a mastermind and a program for women who really want to learn how to step into their power by looking at certain conditioning behaviors that they've adopted naturally, organically, without question. (laughs) And these behaviors have been playing out, keeping women weak, disempowered, Mm. and burning out. I can relate to that one. So what, before we jump too far into this, for people who are not familiar with the context for masculine and feminine energy, how do you describe those two things? Because we're not talking about male and female. We're Mm -hmm. talking about ways of showing up. So how do you describe masculine and feminine energy? Great question. Simple analogy that I have established over the years is we look at how different sexes create life. So men, for example, which is generally where masculine energy comes from, based on testosterone, create life with the methodology and the mindset of the fastest sperm wins. And life depends on it. Therefore, it's all about speed, efficiency, getting to the result the fastest against all odds, all competition. It doesn't matter how you do it. you got to hit the target. Just suck it up and let's go, boys, because we have a mission and we got to complete it. And we see that beautifully playing out in any big corporate environment because men created the business world. Mm -hmm. We just stepped into it as women and adopted exactly that approach. Right. We're conditioned that that is the only approach. That's how you get things done. That's how you... For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Women, on the other hand, different, different way of approaching creation. What do we do? We, in fact, have to draw the seed in and then we have to nurture. Patience is the name of the game. We know how to organically grow it. We know how to develop it. We follow our intuition. And the thing when it's ready and we feel it's ready is launched into the world. And then the next phase of creation is just figuring out how to maintain, sustain, create the right environment for it to grow. There's a different approach to masculine. Mm. Now, the second one rarely shows up in the business world. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, where I feel a lot of people that I've been talking to at least say what's lacking in the corporate environment is this culture of care. Mm, The nurturing part. The nurturing part. Right. People over profit versus profit over people. Right. So it's interesting because like historically, we have had an association with male energy being powerful and female energy being weak. Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. so this caring, nurturing thing is weak. You know what I mean? It's soft. It's, you know, and, but the male is like, yeah. And, but the male is like, oh, go, go, do, 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 hunt, kill. Right. Which is very much the culture that we live in. So I can understand if there's women who are coming from a corporate background and are 
listening to this <laughs> and listening to, you know, you describe it as, you know, the, the patience and nurturing, like my previous corporate persona would have been like, uh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Because it does have that kind of connotation of weakness with it. But I know like from the work that you do, and we've talked about this before, that there is so much power in the feminine energy. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have stepped into that corporate world and we've adopted those masculine traits because that's what we thought makes us successful. And then those traits, what drives them is adrenaline. Right. It's actually what fuels the whole thing is a lot of adrenaline. That's right. why I want to make a point here. That is why women burn out very easily because their adrenal glands are constantly stimulated. So that energy drives adrenaline and adrenaline when we use it too much simply depletes our adrenal glands. That's when women get adrenal right. fatigue. Right. Right. As a power, as an energy. Now, what happens in the opposite side? What is feminine power? Not adrenaline. Adrenaline doesn't drive feminine power. It's mm -hmm. the sense of groundedness in our body, a sense of our natural rhythm that when we're in tune with it, it simply tells us the next right thing to do. Mm. And that's very, very powerful because it's not this go, 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 relentless productivity. Let's do this. It's more, now it's time to pause. Now it's time to reflect. Now it's go time. Let's go. All systems go. Now let's get back to recharge. Okay. Now what feels good? It's a very different, it's a more flexible way of operating mm. and moving through the world. Right. And so how would that play out practically in the corporate world? <laughs> oh, thank you, Jennifer, for asking that question. How would that play out practically? <laughs> I, I think that's like a natural question that every, like, again, most people are listening to this and like, oh, that's a very well and good, but like, how do I make that work? <laughs> mm -hmm. I've got deadlines. I've got goals. Correct. I've recently been talking to women who work in women-led corporations. Mm, so I will start there. Yes, it's interesting. So I will start there. In a more masculine corporation, there would be not even a question, how long have you worked? You looked a little tired. Maybe you need to go and get some rest. Come back tomorrow, we'll start again. In women-led corporations, uh, what I'm hearing is a female manager will actually come up to you and go, hmm, it looks like you're overworking. What's going on? What's really happening here? Do you need time? Do you need more help? Do you need more support? Do you need to go home, get some rest, come back? There is a sense more of that care culture. Right. What else we can do to incorporate more of that feminine energy? We have to embrace our cycles. We have cycles as women. Men don't. They have different cycles. Let's just say it that way. They have different cycles. Right. We have our cycles. We have our menstrual cycle. And then when we're not menstruating anymore, which I'm sure your audience isn't yep. at this point, you're past that, we still follow a certain cyclical rhythm. Women have always been more in tune to the cycle of the moon. Seems that the moon cycle, 28 days, is very much coincides with the feminine cycle. So women who are not menstruating, they just follow the moon cycle. And they can, by just simply doing that, figure out when their most productive days are. There will be certain times in the month, depending on where the moon is. And I know it sounds a little woo-woo, but let's go there. Let's go there. <laughs> let's go there. Certain times of, the, of where the moon is. Like, for example, we just passed the full moon. We were just talking about it before we got on this beautiful yeah. podcast. How's our energy? Do we feel charge up? Do we feel like we can go and get anything done? There's no obstacles. Or do we feel more reflective going inwards and taking time out? When we start living this way, we're finding our rhythm. Right. So it's not constant productivity. It's not constant go, go, go. We're feeling into every day and we're feeling into our bodies, reclaiming a certain level of intuition and wisdom because our bodies will tell us exactly what we need to do. Right. That's the power of the feminine. I really believe so. And men need to learn that too, because if they don't, that's when they get sick, when there's no replenishing of their energy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, if women have a tough time with rest and pulling back, I think men probably have an even bigger struggle with it because again, cultural programming says that you are the big tough guy. You can always go, you don't need to rest. Right. So it must be difficult for men to kind of pull back and say, okay, I need to recharge before I go get going again. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your story, because I know you have a story as to how you kind of ended up in this work. (laughs) And like we've talked about it before, but I would love for you to share with the audience how your story of how you came to learn, like where you were and how you came to learn to lean into your feminine energy. Fabulous. I will start here. Hands up. I am a recovering workaholic. Yep. My hands up too. (laughs) I am a recovering overachiever. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's me too. (laughs) Okay. I used to own a video agency. I went into business in my thirties, decided to launch a video agency and then went for it because it was going to be my ticket to success. And I was hoping that a certain amount of money, I set myself a million was going to make me feel good, important, accomplished, really proud of myself. I would have proven to myself that I can do it. There was a lot of drivers there. And off I went. (laughs) And as my business grew, so did all my health problems. Mm. I didn't know it at the time, but I was beautifully on the trajectory to a massive burnout. But I found out you don't know what burnout is until it actually happens to you. Isn't that the truth? Yeah, that is the truth. Until then, you're going to experience all kinds of health issues. You're going to be experiencing relationship issues. You will not know they're actually part of your burnout. You're going to think they're all disconnected, but they're not. (laughs) That is so true. I mean, that was my experience for sure. I mean, when I look back on it now, I'm like, man, there were like big red flashing signs along the path that I just zoomed on by. (laughs) Correct, because that is exactly the mode I was in, zooming by, thinking that I need to be at some kind of a destination in the future, and I have to get there fast. Yeah. Because I've tied my self-worth to how much I could achieve. Oh, I know that one, too. I know that one too. What's my job title? How much money do I earn? All of those were the markers of success, right? Yes. Yes. So naturally when I wasn't achieving, I did not feel good about myself. In fact, I felt like a failure. Mm -hmm. So that, that was a big driver and constant relentless productivity and achievement. Right. Yeah. So I would achieve one thing, feel good for about a day and then go, what's next? What's bigger? What's better? (laughs) That wasn't big enough. Because if it was big enough, I would feel better longer. Mm. Oh, it's almost like an addiction. First, you take a little bit, then you need more and more to get you up back to that high, that achievement high. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. Yes. And so I'll say, yep, I think I was addicted to achievement. Absolutely. As a measure of my self-worth. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. And then one day it stopped. I was sitting at a doctor's office. My doctor was super calm, but I was noticing my nervous system was so out of whack. I couldn't even relax for five minutes. My phones were ringing. (laughs) I was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue. I had thyroid imbalances. My liver was shutting down. I completely lost my libido. It was just a mess. You know, I'm sure we've all met that person, no matter how much, they just can't relax. There's nothing in their body that makes them just go, everything's okay now. Yeah. Mm -mm. And I realized that was a big problem. Like basically all my symptoms were yelling at me at that point. Yeah. Yelling. Yeah. And for me, I would like go, 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 go. And then I would get into bed at night and I would be wide awake. Like my eyes would be like, boom, 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 boom. Like, and I, I realized all of a sudden when I hadn't really slept for more than a couple hours a night for about four months and I still felt good. I was like, I can still go, I can still do everything. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is not going to end well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But even then, even then, like my body was so stuck 
like what is it in your par- in your sympathetic nervous system it was just like uh, like i always likened it to like having your foot on the gas pedal all the time like even when i would get into bed at night right just gas pedal because that's what my how my nervous system had become trained to be Mm-hmm. And it was only like kind of like my logical brain that kicked in was like, mm, if you're not sleeping, something not good is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's when I was like, okay, girlfriend, you need to sort some stuff out here. But yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. It, it just gets to that point. And then you yeah. wonder, how did I get here? Yeah. Exactly. This is not okay. This is not okay. Yeah. And thank goodness at that point, I met my first teacher. I didn't, I actually didn't want any spiritual teachers. I've cut myself off from anything like that from my previous younger years. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to just focus on my business and it's all going to be very concrete Mm. and earthy. Right. The spiritual stuff. mm, Let's just leave it. I couldn't do it. That was the moment where I met her and I just knew, I knew this was a time I had to go back to that place because I suppressed it for a reason for a long time. So what was it about that particular moment in time that something in you kind of flipped where like you met this woman and all of a sudden you went from being like, yeah, I don't want any part of that to like, what was that moment like, like that point? (laughs) I was so flat. Everything was just flat in my life. I was going through these emotions. Some was like a conveyor belt, automatic groundhog day. And she, when she spoke, reminded me of that aliveness, of juiciness, of, mm. of something that I just couldn't put my finger on at that time because I knew I lost it. I knew I lost mm. it. Mm. I was very so, disconnected from it. So some part of what she was saying was talking to some part of you. Maybe it wasn't in your brain as much as like some part of you was responding to, oh, I see this, I see this light or whatever. <laughs> I responded to her energy and because all she only said one sentence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I someone can sell you wow. <laughs> one sentence. That's amazing. No, the only thing she said is I help women get back to their juiciness. Mm. And for some reason, I was just like, where is that in me? Yes. Whatever you're selling. Yes. I'm 100% there. Wow. <laughs> Wow. So what was the journey like then from that point where you're like, okay, I need to, (laughs) I need to get my juiciness back. Like what did the journey look like from that point? Well, I came into her program with my beautiful masculine energy since it was still very prevalent and said to her, like, it's a business transaction. All right. So how long is this going to to take and what kind of results can I expect? What's the return on investment here, lady? (laughs) Right. Oh, it's brilliant. And she said, you know, you're just going to have to see this for yourself. What a Mm. beautiful feminine response. Great. And then we went into a very simple exercise. It was very simple at the first meeting. She only asked us to tune into our bodies and tell us how we were really feeling. My masculine side wanted to go, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Great. My feminine side, this was hurting. That was hurting. There was something going on here. There was an energy moving there. There was sadness in my chest. And I just realized, wow, I've been suppressing all of these sensations and feelings and just driving forward, completely oblivious of this, the whole body. body. Oh, yeah, boy, can I relate to that, right? Like, it's like the body for me was like, first of all, it was the stick that held up my head, which was the important part. And then the body part, I tried to beat it into some submission, into submission for what I thought it should look like. <laughs> it didn't really have a say in the matter. It was like, I'm going to do this and you are going to respond this way. <laughs> and we're going to look like this. <laughs> yeah, but no relationship whatsoever with or two-way communication between my body and my, <laughs> and my mind. No. No, my relationship with my body, I think was, let me remember, there was three ways I viewed it. What's wrong with it? Mm. Do men like it? Mm. Compared in attractiveness to other women, a battle I could never win, no matter how hard I tried. That was my relationship with my body was based on these three things. And I think that is true. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that for the majority of women, that is the truth. That is how we view our bodies. 
right? And then, you know, we wonder why we end up in this place of burnout or worse, an illness, like a serious illness like cancer or something like that, when the whole time our bodies have been talking to us and we've been basically saying, shut up and sit down, shut up and sit down, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like a kid, like when you, when you ignore your kid, they're going to do something to get your attention. They're going to act up. That's exactly it. That's yeah. exactly what happened to my body. And thank God it did. Amen to that. Amen. That's why I said the biggest gift I've ever gotten was my body shutting down. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, what was the first step that I had to do is I had to reclaim my body. Right. For myself. Mm. And a connection with it that wasn't based on these three things. Right. And so how did you do that? Like how, what was that process of connection? Because I think it's so important. How did you go about building a relationship with your body? I was taught that the reason I was running at the speed I was running at is because all my energy was in my head. Just like you said, the head was most important. That's where thoughts come from. I'm thinking strategic. All my energy was always in my mind. I was on going, you know, in circles, on loops, tangents, Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. which is what creates anxiety, period. Right. So the first thing I had to do is literally learn how to move the energy from my head and focus more on the center of my body and the pelvis. Oh, interesting. Which is a women's sacral point of power. Hmm. Interesting. It's very interesting. It's a very different energy to be operating from that place versus just having your focus on your mind. And did you find that difficult to get there coming from where you were coming from or what? I didn't want to be in that place. I didn't want to spend time in my pelvis. I've held, I had through my life been through very traumatic experiences. My pelvis wasn't the place I wanted to hang out in. <laughs> right, right. No, no, I didn't, I didn't want to go back and, and heal certain parts of myself, but it was the exact thing I needed. It was a necessity. I went through, if I was to describe visually, that place for me went from something that felt like a dark, black, this very uncomfortable void to then developing into this beautiful, luscious jungle full of life and energy restoration to then becoming a very manicured garden. Mm, interesting. It is very, yeah, that's exactly the transformation my pelvis and my womb went through. Hmm. Because, and that's the other part too, I guess, I think it's difficult for women to contemplate your womb being a source of power when, again, culturally, we are kind of taught that your womb is like a bit of an inconvenience until you want to have a kid, right? Like your womb is like, it's this thing that sidelines, you know, it bleeds every month, it sidelines you with some pain. And, you know, I mean, how many people women, and I've said this a million times myself, I wish I didn't have a womb. (laughs) Right. And so the association with the fact that that is part of where our feminine power comes from, I I can see why that's such a huge disconnect. And through the work I've been doing, I've been realizing more and more that this discomfort that we have in that area isn't due to this, somehow the womb or the the pelvis or our uterus just naturally being this way. And that is just how things are. It's creating discomfort because it's telling us we're out of balance. Yes. So I find a lot of women might start out okay. And then over time, as stress progresses, that area is going to get more and more uncomfortable because it's, it's like a vital sign that tells you, hmm, pay attention. Hmm. Pay attention. So for me, what happened is I would have, it would be okay. And then I would go progressively into worse and worse PMS symptoms when I was in massive distress. Like everything in my body was just basically look, examine, pay attention, change something. But we're conditioned to just think, no, well, tough it up. Yeah. Your painkiller, off you go. 
Yeah. And what's really interesting about that is I view menopause as very much being the same way. Like in our society, you know, we view menopause as being almost a betrayal of our body. So we start to have all of these symptoms, you know, it's uncomfortable. We might have anxiety and night sweats and, you know, all the things that go with menopause. And the reality is it's a wake up call for us that our focus is shifting. Like it's a natural thing. And if we viewed it as that, like in cultures where um, menopause is celebrated or aging is celebrated, women do not have the same level of menopausal symptoms as we have in North America, like in our culture. Like in Japan, for example, menopause is called the actual word translated means new spring. So it's being ushered into a new phase of our life. Right. So all the way along. So as you're talking, I'm thinking all the way along, our womb has been communicating with us in different ways. But because we've not been taught to see it as an important part of us, rather, it's almost as as an inconvenient part of us. (laughs) Right. We're not paying attention. And then we get the two by four between the eyes with menopause. (laughs) Which Literally, for me, that's what it was. And again, nobody ever talks about it. Nobody tells you what to expect. And then all of a sudden you're like, what the hell is going on? Right. But it's interesting to me that like, again, it's this source of feminine power and wisdom. Yes. That we just have never been taught to pay attention to. I mean, if we just look at from what the function of that beautiful organ is, is to generally bring forth something that does not exist and create life out of it how incredible from the ether into physical reality it's a portal another human being comes through the portal into this (laughs) physical reality i mean that's a powerful place i mean yeah yeah you know like my daughter is like 27 years old and sometimes i look at her and i go i made you like i made you (laughs) Like, it still blows my mind that I'm like, there's this walking, talking, completely functioning human being living her own life. And I'm like, I made that. You did, Jennifer. You did some help, but I made that. <laughs> yes, you had some help, too. <laughs> you made that. Yeah, it you still blows my mind. You structured it. You put all the pieces together. And when you think about it, so when you think about all of the processes that have to happen exactly on cue at the right time in the right way to create a tiny little cell into a human being, we should never, ever, ever doubt the wisdom of the human body, like ever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it really is. It's a miracle. It really is a miracle. Yes, it is. I can take one cell, like one, you know, tiny little thing and create a whole other thinking, walking, talking, seeing human being. Yeah. In a world. A whole new world. Yeah. And I don't think there's enough appreciation for that. Again, women have babies and it's like, get your pre-baby body back in six weeks or else kind of phenomenon as opposed to appreciating like what we just did. Yes. And I would like to say that the same power that creates life is available to us for creating anything else. And I was just going to get to that. So how we translate this, thank you for that beautiful segue. (laughs) How we get from harnessing this beautiful feminine energy that we have, this creative force that we have, and turning that into manifesting our dreams, creating the life that we want, creating the businesses that we want in a way that's like with ease, flow, you know, pleasurably, because I know for me, and this is programming I am still working through, like the idea of business and life being easy hmm. is such a disconnect in my brain. Like I got to work hard. I got to earn it. You know, I got to conquer obstacles. I'm going into battle. And the idea that I can like lean into flow and pleasure and still get where I want to, my brain just like short circuits. Like it literally short circuits sometimes. I'm like... <laughs> I can like sit back and like, just allow things to come to me. Like, really? (laughs) Right. You know, like if you're not used to being in that creative feminine energy, like you have no frame of reference for it. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I think I'm going to have to bring it back to 
first understanding, going back to that, understanding that creative process mm. and then honoring it. Mm. Because if we're going with the masculine process, that would say you have to go and get. Yeah. Yeah. If we're starting to honor the feminine creative process, then that means we plant the seed, right? The, the seed is planted of what we want to create. Mm-hmm. And then motion is required. Everything happens in motion. Right. So we start moving. We create a little momentum, but it's not a forced momentum. It's an inspired momentum. It's different. It's not, oh, I should do this versus this feels really good. Mm -hmm. I wonder what would happen if I tried this. And what if I did that? And in my own creative process, I had to understand that there will be certain incubation in my system, just like a gestation in the womb that has to happen where I'll be like, here ideas, maybe this, maybe that, researching, asking, talking. And then I literally feel the energy in my body rise and go, I need to birth this right now. There is something I have to do. The energy is so powerful. I have to let it out. And when it comes out, it all just comes out. It's pretty straightforward. There is no struggle. There is no maybes. It's just, and there it is. I've just, I've incubated it. Now it's out. And now let's see how we maintain this. Like I said, I've been doing this work and I've been really leaning into that. And I have seen this work firsthand, like over the last like year or so, maybe a couple of years where like I've been able to, well, I call it like following the energy, right? Like mm-hmm. where I've been able to create, like, it feels good. Like I feel pulled in that direction. It yeah. doesn't feel like I'm forcing anything. It just feels like I'm being guided. And some of the best things that I've created, the best writing that I have done has come from that place. Now it's still not like a habitual place. It's usually me forcing and then going, oh, okay, wait, this isn't working. Rewind. Okay. Now pull back a little bit, like lean out and then and see what happens. And then I will, you know, get pulled in a direction. So like to me, like to get to that point where it becomes a natural way for me to work, but I'm still deprogramming. I still call it the the deprogramming from basically 50 years of conditioning, right? Of course. course. And you, I've heard you use a beautiful analogy to describe, you know, getting to a destination or getting to a goal. Uh, It's an analogy about merging on a highway between how you do it as in a masculine energy versus feminine energy. Could you share that with me? Because it made, when I heard you say that one time, it made it very concrete for me. And I actually, that image, actually, sometimes when I'm leaning back out, like that's the image that's in my mind. So it's a very powerful one. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Okay. Yes. So the, the, I think um, I've shared that with you in the context of how would I define feminine energy versus masculine energy? So aside from just how creation creates, yeah, get a feel for it to know when you're in your masculine versus when you're in your feminine. And just think of driving when you're in a relaxed state and you're just leaving your home and you've got, you don't have to hurry. Let's say you don't have to hurry. Right. <laughs> and you're casually driving. You're more in your feminine energy. You have, you're flexible. You're moving around cars. You know, you got to get to some destination at some point. But there's no pressure. Right. You might make yeah. stops along the way. You can make stops along the way. Maybe take, <laughs> I call the feminine energy the scenic route. Mm, yeah. Simply taking the scenic route. Yes, you're going to get there maybe 10 minutes later, but you had amazing experience throughout your journey. You didn't rush through it. Uh, in regards to, let's say you now have to merge on the highway, which requires a little bit more of a masculine energy because things are speeding up. There's other people to consider at different speeds. And it's it's simply required for you to push a little harder. So you do that. You get sharper. You kind of fix your posture. You're on full alert and you're going in to make sure you merge correctly. Now you can continue driving with this full alertness and speed, which a lot of men do. And I like sometimes driving at that speed for sure. <laughs> But if I was to do it all the time, my nervous system would be on constant alert. Mm. It's just what happens. And that is why when we're in that masculine energy on constant alert, we do get burnt out. 
So we got to simply change lanes, get back into our feminine, cruise for a little bit, recharge the system, and then continue. Yeah, that's, it's, it's such a good analogy. It's such a good analogy. Yeah. yeah. It really exactly. is. It's concrete. What is it about the difference between men and women? Like men can go in that full like go full out, like for a much longer period of time without having negative implications than a woman. Like are our systems that much more sensitive because we are creators? Like what, what do you think is the big difference between those two things and why we get burnt out more? We, so men are, there's a lot more testosterone mm. and testosterone meets adrenaline. Right. Like those two hormonal things are great for going long distances. Right. Continuing to. Uh, versus we're cyclical, meaning we Naturally. do not think yeah. the same way week after week. We have different hormones playing things out. Sometimes our brain is our sharp when it comes to creativity. Next week, maybe our brain is more, I can do some admin things right now. That's all I want to do. Maybe next week I want to socialize and I'm brilliant, social butterfly. Maybe a week after that, our brain says no. It's time to recharge. You've been giving a lot, a lot. What have you done for yourself? If we follow that, that works for us. So it comes down to basic physiology then, because men are more of a constant, like you said, that mixture of (laughs) adrenaline and testosterone and women are natural cycle. Like we're going through hormonal cycles, ups and downs and all of the things. Yes. Men go through their cycles on a daily basis. We go on cycles on a monthly basis. Oh, interesting. I did not know that about men. Mm -hmm. Men men have more like a 24-hour cycle. We have a 28-day cycle. So men would have biggest testosterone surge in the mornings. That's why 8 8 a.m. in the office is great. Let's have all these meetings. Right. They're just, they've got so much energy. It needs to go somewhere. Then there is the mid-afternoon dip of testosterone. This is let's have lunch. Hmm. Then there is another surge till the evening, but this is more like a social um, hormones are kicking in. Now, instead of focusing on the mission, let me create some connections. And then in the evening, there's a general, let's just tone it down. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then they recharge and begin that cycle again the next day. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But I mean, the reality is that like women can accomplish as much. They can have big goals and get there. They can create amazing things in the world. It's just that the approach to how we do those things is different. Absolutely. And if it all comes down to it, I would think it's about finally creating the nurturing environment that we all need. Yeah. It's the nurturing environments we all need to succeed. Right. So here we are as women trying to force ourselves into a male dominated patriarchal way of working and being, which eventually just doesn't work for us. And I think this is what happens a lot, again, with women in midlife is because we spend a good chunk of our lives kind of being in that place. And then when you get to your menopausal years, all of a sudden you're like, I can no longer tolerate it. And we see women opting out of the workforce. We see women becoming business owners, you know, wanting to make a difference in the world, like wanting to create in very, very different ways. And this is where the flip for like, when I, when I talk about midlife reinvention, it's actually really midlife deprogramming mm. to come much more back to our normal, our normal state. Yes. Yes. Right. So it's, yeah, it's fascinating. I've been talking recently to a lot of women around the world just to get more um, information from my book. And I'm coming to a conclusion. <laughs> I'm coming to share it. Please do share your conclusion. Because I feel it fits perfectly with what you're saying. I am starting to realize that the common denominator of what causes women to burn out, end up in these not so great places, is the very early root cause conditioning of being a people pleaser. 100%. Because when you're conditioned to be a people pleaser, you will always put others first. Yeah. And therefore yourself last. Yeah. And what does that do? 
that basically says to you, I don't matter as much as somebody yeah. else. I can wait. We'll accommodate here. I can wait. And then your body eventually just starts to revolt against you going, no, 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 you cannot wait. I am important. <laughs> I have things to say. Yeah. And that is the constant root cause to burning out. So if women really need to, if women want to stop burning out and stop the stress cycle, yeah, we need to stop people pleasing, period. Yeah. But again, like you just said, it's conditioning from the time we are little girls to make everybody happy, to manage everybody's feelings, to put ourselves, like it's considered selfish, right? Like to put yourself first. And like, I don't know where selfish got to be such a bad rap, but it's actually a really, a really good thing in my books. Like we all need to be selfish. Yes. Like it's a good thing. Yeah. Right? We need to first take care of ourselves and then yeah. we can take care of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's so fascinating, isn't it? And like, again, when I see, I see what a lot of us end up doing, you know, in that kind of people pleasing mode, we fall a little bit into victim mentality, victim mindset, where we won't even like, we will be grudge. We will be, you know, we will resent like what all the things that we have to do, but we will never actually ask for help. We will never actually assert our needs. And so the cycle continues until we, something happens that says, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. And then you say, wait a minute, I'm stopping this cycle. And I'm going to, like, I've, I've done it myself. Like I catch myself in that all the time going, okay, why am I trying to be a martyr here? <laughs> like, why am I trying to do all this? Like, okay, let's stop this now. You know, I think we get better at it as we get older, but for some of us, it's so conditioned. We're not even aware of the fact that we're, yeah. You're absolutely right. It's such a normal normalized behavior right right exactly expected normalized behavior yeah yeah so what like are you know obviously you see a lot of women who are kind of burnt out probably a lot coming from the corporate world into your programs like what are some of the success stories like what's possible for women as they lean into their feminine energy oh my goodness so what's possible uh Instead of trying to get the dream job and really hustling for it, if you just, if you apply, yes, but let it go, the perfect ones usually just come to you. So I just had a woman who, I don't know, or just a recruiter got in touch with her beautiful leadership position on Microsoft. Boom. <laughs> it, I don't know where we're not talking just how yeah. this was initiated out of nowhere that came to her. Um, another woman, this is a little different, but another woman, when she stepped into her power and really claimed it, she went between working for her partner in a, in a, in a business to trying to decide what to do for herself back and forth. Not really sure. It's quite a powerful story on a full moon. Her partner came up to her and said, we're done. Mm. And it was the best thing that could have happened. Mm. It was like, it was just almost like it was cosmologically orchestrated with whatever work she was doing that it was, and she found out later on that there was all kinds of things going on. <laughs> right. So, which she couldn't see, which when we're not in our power, we're put up with, we put up with so much. Mm -hmm. So there's things she simply couldn't see until the universe, whatever we want to call it, just said, you know what? We, it's time to remove this thing from your life because this isn't good for you. So yeah. a sense of appreciation. I had women who were constantly worried about money or overwhelmed with their business, constantly tired and exhausted to starting to follow the cycle and just exactly following that timing in their business and then clients just started to come in yeah they weren't tired anymore there was no worry it's it, things just shift I had another woman who simply tripled her business in in four months and she came in nothing was working 
when she came in, nothing was working. That's why she came in. She was like, oh my God, I, I got to do something about this. I'm at the end of my rope because I'm trying so hard. I'm trying, the, the common statement is I'm trying so hard and I feel like I'm mm. getting nowhere. nowhere. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I heard the analogy used. It's like, you know, it's like when if a sponge, right? Like if you're squeezing the sponge, it can't absorb water. And when you open your hand and you let the sponge expand, all of a sudden now the sponge can absorb. And that's kind of what we do. We become so hyper fixated on something like we're squeezing it, right? And wondering why it's not, why we can't get the thing because we're squeezing so hard and we think we're doing the right thing when the right thing really is just to open your hand and let go. And then it allows this flint kind of flow to start. And I like, I will vouch for that. Like I have seen that in my own life and in my own business, where when I'm leaning out, I can allow stuff to come in. But as soon as I find myself like way over-focused on something, <laughs> like, and trying, like in that process of really efforting, I know, now I know, <laughs> I didn't always know. Now I know that that actually is like repelling whatever it is I'm trying to do. So that control, when we're trying to control too much, it's not really happening. But when we no. like go and open up and create space, yeah, things are coming in. Like if there's one thing that I have learned in the last like five, seven years, maybe a little longer, surrender is always the answer. <laughs> <laughs> like seriously, as much as I don't believe it and as much as I resist it, it is always the freaking answer right? It's like, even when, you know, you're trying to like come up with a solution to a problem or you're trying to answer a question and you're thinking, 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 and then you're like, okay, forget it. As soon as you say, forget it, you get in the shower or you're driving somewhere, all of a sudden you're like, oh, boom, there's the answer. <laughs> right? Like how many times has that happened to all of us? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yes. yes. And that's the thing. Like for me, surrender is always the answer. <laughs> So just giving it, so not controlling the unknown and letting the mm -hmm. unknown reveal itself to you and the next step. Yeah. 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 And even but like how much, yeah, but how much, I'm not going to say discipline, how much trust does that require? <laughs> not discipline, that's the other side. Yeah. That's, how much yeah. trust does that require? Okay. So you just hit on something really important there because I don't know about you, and but I know in my life, I was taught that I always just had to be disciplined enough. If I was disciplined enough, then I could have the thing, right? When the answer, like the discipline is not necessarily the answer, it's allowing, right? And trusting. But again, we are so programmed to believe that, you know, discipline, hard work, more effort. Like if it's not working, do some more. If it's not working, still do some more. When like, whose quote is it that says the definition of insanity is repeating the same behavior and expecting a different outcome? I think that was Einstein, maybe. I'm not sure. But that's kind of what we've been programmed to do. And like I said, the whole, at the beginning, the whole concept of allowing, leaning out, allowing and trusting feels weak, right? Passive. Passive. Right. Oh, you're never going to get anywhere leaning out. Like, <laughs> but the, it's not just about like leaning out, sitting on the couch and waiting for things. It's about figuring out the right times and the right action to take. It's not about no action. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Inspired action. Inspired action. Trusting your gut. Forced action. You know, one of the very cool exercises that your audience can do. And I've, I've done this as a way to start to reintroduce the feminine back into my life. And this thing that we're talking about surrender, this idea of ease or flow, or just trusting is to open up even one day in your week on the weekend and just follow that. So instead of structured day, mm. you just, you open it up and you go, okay, Let's see what will reveal itself to me today. I've introduced this to my partner and what we would do is we go, okay, we're just gonna start walking or we're just gonna start driving and see where we feel like turning, mm. or stopping and see what happens in our day. And usually just like when you're traveling, 
you incorporate that. There's a lot of that when you're traveling. Right, well, let's right. just leave the hotel room and let's see what happens today. Yeah. But we forget about that in our daily yeah. life. Yeah, so. that is so true. That's an excellent exercise. And even if it's an afternoon, like it doesn't even need to be a whole day, <laughs> like whatever you can manage, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, lean out. and Oh, this is so good. So where can people find out more about the work you do with Feminine Energy and the Powerful Women's Club? Women can find me everywhere. They can find <laughs> me on my website at nataliacantor.com with a K. You can find me on Instagram at natcantor. You can find me on YouTube. But I, once you go to my website, you can find all those links. Yeah. There's a lot of really great reading on your website. Like I would encourage my audience to go to Natalia's website and like I went deep into the blog. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much like really great thought provoking content that kind of really makes you think about, okay, how am I showing up? How am I doing things? Oh, this explains why I feel that way. So we'll make sure that we put this in the, in the show notes, but like my introduction to Natalia's work has definitely been through her blog and I can't wait for your book to come out. So stay tuned for that people, because another, I've read the first chapter. So good. So, so good. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. So we'll definitely have you back sometime to talk about the book when it's out. And I know you're still doing a ton of research for the book. And so as you start seeing and learning more about like the commonalities and experiences of women, um, I would love to be able to share that with this audience. So thank you. Oh, I would love to be back. And thank you so much for having me, Jennifer. It's such a pleasure talking to you every single time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's my pleasure to have you. And again, um, for everybody listening, go to Natalia's website. And here's what I'm going to say. If some of the things that we've talked about today feel a little strange, a little out there, you know, like when we're talking about womb energy and things like that, if there is some part of you that is even the tiniest little bit curious, then just follow that curiosity and go to her site because that little voice is asking to be heard. And maybe there's a blog in there or something that Natalia says in a certain way that will open that up a little bit more for you. And maybe it leads you somewhere really amazing. So it led me somewhere amazing just to hear someone say, I help women get back to their juiciness. Right. It's all I needed to hear. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So and amazing. It changed my trajectory. Yeah. And it's changed mine. It's definitely changed mine. So thank you. Thank you. And yeah, until next time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in. 